Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to covering all the best sporting events taking place from Wednesday to Sunday. And this week, I am joined by my three co-hosts. That's right, all four of us ready to bring you a great show. Andres, the Cavalier King. Bryant, first prize, Flores. And none other than Mr. Champagne Chauncey. Gentlemen, 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 welcome back. Welcome back to another jam-packed weekend. In this week's episode, we have, of course, college football, NFL, baseball playoffs. We discuss specifically for baseball, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. So some top heavy hitters on the baseball diamond. And of course, we have bold predictions and scumbags of the night. Who are they? What are they? We're going to get into all this. We're going to answer all these questions after a quick message from our sponsor. We like to start off every episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday with a hero or headline, extremely dear and extremely local to our hearts. And it doesn't get any more dear to our hearts. Well, at least to myself, Andres, and Chance's heart and the rest of Dodger Nation, then Max Scherzer, Mad Max. And uh, Mad Max, since coming to the Dodgers, just to recap, ladies and gentlemen, he's had 10 starts for the Dodgers, including today. Seven wins, 85 strikeouts, over 63 innings, while only giving up 10 earned runs and only dishing out eight walks. Now, Keep in mind, he's given up 10 runs as a Dodger in 10 starts, but today he gave up five. So that number was doubled in one day. So it just goes to show that um, he got it out of his system just before the playoffs. Very happy that um, he's, you know, kind of brought back down to earth a little bit today and the Dodgers were still able to get the victory because going into the playoffs, you want, you don't want them to be due for a bad outing because that's what's going to happen. So I'm glad he got it out of the way. But Mad Max is definitely my hero. And he's specifically mad this time around because if you look at the numbers, he's pitched 80, I'm sorry, he's pitched 63 innings and he's only issued eight walks. He has been just very direct. He's been aggressive. He's been trying to get out as many batters as possible in the least amount of um, pitches. That's what the eight walks mean to me that he's been attacking the strike zone so um i want to ask you uh flores as the giants fan of the group what are your initial statements to these numbers are are you still saying that he's not as good as he used to be or are you prepared to say like maybe he's a little bit you know he's he's more uh going back to his old ways than you may have thought He's had a rebirth if it's because, he, you know, he's come here and, and not necessarily rebirth. I mean, he was a starter for the all-star game, so he's still been solid, but he's definitely had a nice breath of fresh air. He, he's broken some records and got some, you know, recognition recently, too. So just shots out to him for what he's doing, and, and let's see if he just continues to do it into the postseason. And, and, you know, Bueller just got roughed up, so the Dodgers definitely need him to step up. Yeah, and uh, in, in the in the beginning of the show, or in the pre-show, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Giants and Dodgers. They're going down to the wire. Um, I'm not too sure how the D- Giants game ended today, but last I checked, the Giants were leading the standings. They lost. Okay, so it's the, a... The, the Giants lost, yeah. So now they're only up by a game uh, as of today. And it's just every day, it, it, it's back to the days when... I remember checking La Opinion every single day to see where the standings were before cell phones and when you had to check newspapers (laughs) or whatever it was to to, to get the updated standings every single day. And that's the beauty 
of baseball when it comes down to summertime is every single day those standings change. Not like the NFL where they're out here putting like playoff standings already through two weeks. Like, are you kidding me? It's been two games as opposed to MLB. You know that right now every single game matters and that's the beauty of what's going down in San Francisco and in LA right now. So Andres, the Cavalier King, uh, let's hear your thoughts on the Dodgers Giants uh, winding down for the rest of the season, less than 10 games to go. And, uh, after that, let's hear your hero or your headline. I would like to tell you the truth, Pat and, and panel and everybody else in the world listening. I'm, I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see the Giants uh, one more series before the before the season ends because I think it'd be much better uh, television, much more stories to cover. It's going to come down to the wire, like Flores said. Uh, it, uh, the only shitty thing is we have to play the Brewers uh, towards the tail end of the season. I think that's the last series that we have. And the Giants kind of have a cakewalk other than playing against the Padres. Hopefully the Padres can steal some games for us, and we just got to capitalize. We lost today in Colorado in 10 innings, and we couldn't gain ground. So it's going to be, you know, down to the wire. It's going to be fucking cutthroat. We got to capitalize as Dodgers uh, when the Giants make mistakes. I, we'll see. Charles, what do you think? We, got, we capitalize or not? I hope we capitalize. We actually, Jimmy just bugged me in my ear, you know, through the do-rag and told me that uh, that we actually won today 7-5. We didn't lose. But we played like we should have lost. And <laughs> honestly, man, like, you know, for a little teaser for our audience, my my scumbag of the night has to deal with the Dodger um, who's in the pitching rotation. But, yeah, I don't like the way we're playing. Um, and going back to your point, Andres, even though the Giants have a cakewalk on paper, you never know, man. These dog days of baseball, these teams that don't have anything to play for usually leave it all out on the field on the diamond. And that's why the, the, the Rockies have been playing us so tough, you know, sending us an extra innings, us losing, I think, last night's game. Um, you know, Max Scherzer getting roughed up. So, uh, these, you know, these guys who are on teams that aren't going to the playoffs, you know, some of them are playing for jobs next year. So this is almost like a tryout. But I don't like – how we're trending. I don't love how our pitching staff is especially trending. And a uh, little concern for me going into the uh, into October and into the postseason. So, Andres, let's hear your hero or your headline for the show. So, my hero, heroes, half, there's two of them, uh, has to deal with, in the soccer world, specifically in the German league, Pat, your favorite league, I think, in all of soccer confederations um has to be Haaland who plays for Dortmund the young kid that uh, plays for the country of Norway he's only 21 years old and um your boy Lewandowski coming out of Bayern Munich for uh Patrick they both have scored 11 goals the magic number is 11 goals in six games each of them uh they are leading that and I mean that in Champions League play and in the in the Bundesliga, but six games has gone into the season for the Champions League. They've scored eleven. That's phenomenal. They're, they're pretty much scoring almost two goals a game, uh, which is unheard of during this Champions League group plays. But both of them together uh, and separately are leading their charge for each team. And Halan has a beautiful future ahead of him. Um, he's never been injured. This guy could be better than Mbappe, the goals that he's doing is is incredible. I highly recommend anybody who hasn't watched his highlights to do so, especially this weekend. He defied physics with like this chip over the goalie, had no room to do it, but he did it. It was un unbelievable. So uh, Halan and Lewandowski uh, are my heroes with 11 goals in six games for the Champions League tournament already. That I mean, I, you, you say that I love the Bundesliga and you know why I love the Bundesliga? They made their way into my heart because last year in 2020 when COVID hit, they were the first league to come back out of all the leagues in literally all the world um, in terms of team sports. We know that UFC kind of never left, but Bundesliga was the first one back in action. So as a sports junkie, I'm always going to remember that. I'll probably be at a bar one day, and that might be a trivia question that I'll get correct. So um, shout out to the Bundesliga and um, these two star athletes that have impressed Andres, a Florida state champion himself in the sport of soccer as a young lad. 
Um, I'm just kidding. He's not a Florida State champion. Um, so, no, I, I just won a, I won a tournament in the state of Florida, but no, I'm not. Yes, and uh, if, if we didn't correct you on that, you would tell people that you were a Florida State champion. But Yeah, I've been, I've been, you guys have been correcting me all day tonight. So Jimmy with the <laughs> Dodgers, Patty Boy with the, uh, the set. I, I, look, I've been off, guys. I've been shaky. I haven't been around the last two weeks, so pardon me. It's okay. That's all right. This is a good warm-up. This is what the Heroes and Headlines is for. It's to get the juices flowing. So let's flow it on over to – I'm going to save yours for the end, Flores, because I love what it is. Uh, and then, uh, Chance, your uh, your hero or headline for this week's show? Yeah, this week I'm actually going to do a hero, and it is none other than Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Action Jackson, who put on uh, a very impressive performance performance, in my opinion, facing the Chan- the Kansas City Chiefs, the two-time Super Bowl uh, attendees, one-time champion, and uh, vanquishing, finally, his nemesis, his kryptonite, Patrick Mahomes. Didn't start out great. He threw, I think, two picks in his first five passes. Uh, one of them was super inexcusable. Uh, the other one was kind of like a tip, and it didn't look good, but he literally put his team on his back. He had never come back from a double-digit deficit in the second half before. He was down at 11 points going into, I think, the third or fourth quarter. P- literally put the team on his back, accounted for three touchdowns, one passing, two running. And I'm just very proud and happy for him, man. He got that monkey off his back. And I think he proved to people that he can come back in a high-scoring game. It wasn't extremely high-scoring, but I, I, I want to say they, they, they actually went over the over-under. And the fact that he could come back against a team like the Chiefs. The good thing is the Ravens' uh, running game, the rushing attack, still solid. They're down like three or four running backs, but they just shredded the Chiefs. Um, I think they were gaining over like six yards a carry or something like that, but just super happy for Lamar. I think it says more about, you know, his quarterbacking style than anything. Look, you know, there's different styles. Is he a better passer than maybe, let's say, I don't know Jimmy Garoppolo since we have two two forty nine er fans uh, on the you know on the podcast. Absolutely not. Look, I would not <laughs> give me Jim, Lamar. Give me give me Jimmy with the stats instead. Yeah, yeah no, Jimmy no, with yeah. the stats instead over Jimmy G. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy G <laughs> is a better passer, but Lamar is a, probably a better quarterback because of the things he can do, um, especially after fourth and one where they had to go for it because if you give the Pat, Patrick Mahomes the ball, you know, with forty seconds left, Patrick. He's going to drive you down the the field field goal. So just shout out to Lamar. Shout out to the Ravens. Shout out to him for saving their season. And Lamar Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, that is my hero of the week. Yeah, I mean, it was it was huge. It was a huge moment when uh, Harbaugh asked him, "Do you want to go for it?" And uh, he said, "Hell yeah, I want to go for it." I mean, they pay him top dollar to deliver in high leverage situations. Very good. I mean, it, it was just. Very great sight to see. I was very happy for Lamar, obviously. Happy for Louisville Nation. Proud alum right there. Uh, shooting it over to Flores. The- hold, hold, hold on real, real quick. Hey, Chance, when he did that backflip into the end zone, did that worry you or bother you just in case he could he could get hurt? I mean, I know he was complaining the other day. He's like, oh, I'm a little sore, but I'll do it again. I mean, I wouldn't want my quarterback to be flipping in the end zone like that. It's not a Super Bowl. It's only the second, third game of the year, second game of the year. Uh, I'm more worried about my franchise quarterback getting hurt or, or pulling something or, or busting something. Does that concern you or bother you at all, Chance? Yeah, I, w- I don't love it. Um, I mean, I, I want him to play loose and free and, you know, play how he likes to play. But, I mean, I think he's got to remember, like, dude, you're trying to get a contract, bro. Like, you're trying to get that second contract. You're trying to get that you know, 35 to 40, you know, annual mill a year, annual contract. So um, that would be kind of in the for- forefront of my mind. But I think he was just, you know, you know, he just wanted to get loose and felt like he needed to somersault in the end zone. But like, I wouldn't prefer it. No. <laughs> Flores, over to you for your hero or your headline. Uh, and real quick. Uh, yes. Shout out Lamar, you know, Patrick Mahomes is so close to being 0-2 right now, which is also a trip. But the MVP for the Ravens wasn't even Lamar. 
it was Clyde Edwards Alaire, whatever his name is. <laughs> so shots out to him for fumbling and just absolutely losing the game for the Chiefs too. Oh, but anyway, on to <laughs> on to greener pastures here in Southern California. The the nice sunny, you know, I guess is Inglewood South Bay? Not really. It's trying to be South Bay, but it's not. But shouts out to Inglewood. I had no idea that the Clippers were even staying in Los Angeles. So the headline for me this week is them opening or announcing the Intuit Dome. I thought they might even go to Seattle and become the Supersonics, which would be would have been a great idea. But, you know, they're going to build something right next to it. It looks like, and I'm not even clear on the location. I think it's the forum location and right next to SoFi and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. they're going to have a big screen inside. But you know what's the most important and actually most impressive thing of the Intuit Dome is the toilet-to-person ratio. It's expected to house twice as many restrooms as any other arena in the NBA. So... <laughs> You know, just shouts out to paying attention to the details and something like that. <laughs> You're going to need all those toilets because it's going to make all the Clippers fans sick um, when it gets up and running because usually that's what happens when the Clippers make the playoffs. <laughs> For sure. And as you guys, two things. Um, one, that's, that's probably being done because Steve Ballmer is A, the richest owner in sports. He's the owner of the Clippers. And B, probably the smartest owner because he's the former CEO of Microsoft. So first, that's that's that point. Second of all, I don't know if you guys saw or if our listeners saw Kawhi Leonard at the, the debut and like just how he just was looking down like he didn't even want to be there and his awkward, weirdo Kawhi Leonard stance. And then I don't know if you guys heard the joke that the reason that they actually had to move, uh, had to create their own arenas because it was costing too much money to always cover up the Lakers banners for the home games. No way. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> hey, but honestly... hey, hey, but on on Kawhi, real quick, yeah, he's he's been making a lot of the news recently. Not only that, but the music video for Way Too Sexy with Drake, uh, which was I think the number one song in the country, but he's dancing on that. If you guys haven't seen that by now, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this have, but if you haven't, go look at Kawhi Leonard dancing in that music video. Hey, uh, speaking about Kawhi, we're on it. I'm glad you guys brought him up. What the fuck was he wearing at this fun at this whole breaking of the the new stadium? Like you couldn't even. I, I don't. He was like going to somebody's house party. Like I don't no. know, man. Like it's something special. You could at least wear wore like you know some pants or some dress, like fuck even jeans or something. But I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little old school that. If it's something that important, brand new stadium, it's, you know, ceremony, I'd be wearing a suit and tie for this thing. No, you, I, that's, that's, that was my biggest concern. But it's not, it's, but it's, it's, it's not a stadium opening. They're, they're literally digging dirt to They're breaking ground, right? They're breaking ground. It's, it's still a photo op. Yeah, that's you, my, gotta, that's my you got it. You got to come in, you got to come in looking bummy to that. You can't, you can't come in and succeed over to that when you're... Not a tuxedo, but not not a tuxedo. But Paul George, Paul George looked like he at least tried, and um, Kawhi's outfit, you know, Kawhi's outfit. He was wearing a t-shirt, basketball shorts, and like slides. He was literally wearing the Seven Eleven outfit that you have on when you go buy condoms, like that. That's that's what he was wearing, bro. Like slippers. Basketball shorts and a T-shirt, like that's that's the first thing that came to my mind too. But he will have plenty of chances to redeem himself, like Flores said. There might be like a more official opening or whatever. But uh, yeah, Clippers, and I guess their new phrase is "Are you into it?" for the Intuit Dome. So so clever, uh, Steve Ballmer, making things happen in LA Live South. So um, those are last week's heroes and headlines. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back.
back to the weekend starts on Wednesday on this beautiful, gloomy Thursday in Los Angeles. You know, we normally don't talk about golf all that often, only when it's big major tournaments or the Olympics or a skins game, or like we're about to discuss the Ryder Cup, which is happening starting tomorrow, Friday, September 24th through the 26th at Whistling Straits in Kohler, Wisconsin. For those who don't know, this is the annual matchup between Europe and USA. Last year was canceled um, because of COVID, and back in 2019, Europe won. So, Andres, for, for our listeners who don't know, could you explain the format and the setup of the Ryder Cup? So the format is you're paired up. It's a two versus two. So two American players versus two European players. And then the best, who met whatever team of the twosome has the best score gains a point. And then the most points by the end of the tournament wins the cup. There you go. There you go. So first action starting it off Friday, super early, 5.05 a.m. We got Sergio Garcia and arguably the player of the year, John Rahm, facing facing Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth to kick things off. Andres, I'm just curious, what what's pairing matchup intrigues you the most? And, like, like what action, if any, do you have on, on the Ryder stuff? I, well, at, well I'll, I'll talk to the action afterwards, but the, the most intriguing matchup that I like a lot is uh, Dustin Johnson paired up with Colin Morikawa, the young kid. We talked about him before, local boy out of Lockheed out of high school, uh, versus Casey and Hovland. I want to see what Dustin Johnson and Morikawa does. This is Morikawa's first, if I'm not mistaken, um, invite to be part of the Writers' Cup. That's the one that is intriguing me the most. Um, it's And Dustin Johnson, DJ, let me see a little Gretzky on the sideline. Let me see him rooting for his, uh, for his son-in-law. So <laughs> that's the team that I'm rooting for. That's the team that I like. Um, and my bet is that the U.S. finally gets breaks the, the curse and that losing streak and takes the Ryder Cup back home. They were talking about it earlier this week that the difference between the Europeans and the U.S. is that the Europeans act like a team, whereas golf, you're usually, there is no team other than this competition, and it's always an individual thing. But they, they do things differently. They they wear things properly. They, they just have this team mentality in the U.S. Already has some drama going in. We know about the, the feud between uh, Brooksy and, uh, and Kepka as well with um, DeChambeau. So can they can they play nice in the sandbox this week and uh, get their egos out of the way and pull one for the U.S. and, you know, take that cup home with them? Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, I think about Tiger, obviously the best golfer of our generation. He never really did that well in the Ryder Cup. And, and Brooks Kepka actually kind of ruffled Paul Azinger, who is an old golfing legend, um, one of major – um, and, a, and a Hall of Famer for saying that, you know, he wasn't really excited to play because it is a team game. And, you know, as Andres mentioned, uh, you know, golf is usually an individual sport. And Brooks Kepka is just honestly, in my opinion, not that much of a likable guy. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and plays. He's paired up with Daniel Berger and they're going against Lee Westwood and Matt Fitzpatrick um, to start things off on Friday morning, Patrick. So should be intriguing. I hope that Europe does not retain the cup and that the U.S. can somehow, some way, pry it away from them. But um, it's going to be a tough feat because this is something that the Europeans take very seriously. Mm-hmm. And as Andres alluded to, this is something that us Americans were just kind of meh about. So we'll see what happens starting off on Friday, 5 a.m. Uh, in Wisconsin. Yeah. And so uh, speaking of which, real quick, I was just thinking about a um, – Bull prediction. Mm. My bull prediction is going to be that DeChambeau will probably at least get more, bur- more at least two eagles by this weekend, which means that he has to shoot two under par in a hole. I will take that because it is hard to get two eagles. Sure, um, and I completely. Well, I accept that bull prediction. Flores, do you? Uh, sure, sure. Are you are you trying to pull a fast one, Andres, or is this hard to do? No, an eagle is all is very difficult to do. Um, it's even going to be harder for Deshambo because the wind is going to play a factor. We know that this course in Wisconsin 
um, has a lot of dog lefts and dog rights, which means that it's, it's a hard left turn and a hard right turn for those who are unaware of what a dog left is. Uh, so it's a very sharp turn. So a lot of people are going to lay it up and play the middle of the fairway. DeChambeau is going to play straight to the hole because he can hit 350 yards no problem and try to get onto the green. But the wind factor is going to be a huge thing. If it's because it's in Wisconsin, if it's flowing at 25 miles per hour, it's going to be super hard because that ball is going to carry a lot. So we'll see what happens. All right, Andres Ramirez reporting live from downtown LA <laughs> <laughs> with the weather report. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. Uh, I love it. So uh, with with the first mention of bold predictions, uh, I have to disclose to everybody, if you're not familiar, each bold prediction is worth seven points. The first to 21 collects beer from the losers. Right now, we're all at zero. Flores has seven points on the board. He predicted Oregon was going to go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State. I think it was two or three weeks ago. Um, and uh, speaking of Ohio State, real quick, I just want to shout out my cousin's boyfriend, Larry. He's a faithful, loyal listener to the show. And um, he he says that Ohio State will make a deep run, and they're representing. They got that bad loss off their back. They're going to bounce back, and they're representing the Big Ten Conference. So shout out. Thank you for listening, Larry. And um, going into my game for Friday, 4 p.m., I'm going into um, the baseball field, the diamond, the New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. This is a classic rivalry. We just got done talking about the Dodgers and um, Giants rivalry. So the reason why this is a series to watch all weekend is because these two teams are basically, along with the Toronto Blue Jays, the three of these teams are all fighting for that last spot. Um, to make the uh, wild card in this year's postseason. So the Yankees would love nothing more than to beat the Red Sox this weekend. The Red Sox would love nothing more than to beat the Yankees. And the Blue Jays just have to sit back and make sure they win their games because eventually they can overlap one of these teams. Um, so tomorrow night, Garrett Cole is going up against Nathan Evaldi. I've never been a really big fan of Nathan Evaldi. I understand that um, he's been in the league for a long time but to me he hasn't been extremely like explosive or extremely um impressive he did have that one crazy long outing in the against the dodgers in the world series where that game went like 18 innings where andres got that two for one uh, when he went to the game he got 18 innings of baseball for the price of nine so um leave it to andres to get that kind of world series discount but um anyways so evaldi in my opinion, not as good as Garrett Cole. Yankees should win this game. So, Flores, what are you watching Friday night? Well, you're talking about uh, a bunch of winning right now and all this stuff. And let me tell you about this team that right now is 0-3, and I'm relying on them. Their <laughs> last loss was 48-3 to this last Saturday to Iowa State. They've also had a 37-10 loss and a loss to Eastern Washington. And who am I talking about? It's a team I'm putting my faith in to get revenge. It's the UNLV Rebels. They're going up against Fresno State Friday night to get revenge for UCLA after Fresno State knocked them off and got themselves in, in some good position because now they're ranked and they're going forward with a good season, good win. Uh, they had a close game also against Oregon. So, Let's see what UNLV could do. They, they're, uh, they're, they're being given 30 points, so it's a pretty big spread. Uh, my bold prediction is that they will be within a touchdown. Is that bold enough that instead of minus 30, we give a minus 7? Yeah, I'll give you that. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, because Fresno State is firing on all cylinders right now. The running Rebels. <laughs> That quarterback uh, for Fresno State, if he keeps having the year that he's having, he will at least get invited to uh, to New York to be part of the Heisman uh, Trophy ceremony. He will win the Heisman, but he'll at least be invited because he is just on fire right now, that kid. Big words, big words. <laughs> Andres, I mean, 
I, I remember a couple of weeks ago where I said, if you talk sports with Andres long enough, he'll have everybody in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I would love, I don't, I'm speechless to be completely honest with you. Let's see what happens. Um, Flores, good luck to you. I actually think though, Flores at Fresno State, hopefully they win because if they lose, then this makes you at UCLA look a lot worse, in my opinion. But um, let, let's see what happens. Now, that wraps up I'm Friday. Going all in on Vegas, baby. I'm going all in on Vegas. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. So that wraps up Friday's entertainment the Riders Cup, golf, Yankees, Red Sox, and a little Mountain West Conference college football for the nightcap. Moving along to Saturday. Saturday, 9 a.m., Andres, your 12th ranked. Notre Dame fighting Irish are going into Soldier Field, neutral, neutral grounds, taking on the 18th ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Take it away, Andres. I mean, what can I say? I'm I'm just grateful and blessed, and I pray to God every day that the Irish are 3-0 rather than 0-3 because we could easily be sitting at 0-3 to start the season. Um, it's going to be a matchup. This is going to be – Look, I know we're, it's on neutral field, but we're, they're in Chicago, okay? It's Irish nation. You talk about the Catholics there. You talk about the, the Green River being flowing. There's a lot of Notre Dame domers over there who are big fans and supporters, and they travel well. So to me, it's a home field advantage. Yes, they're underdogs, even though they're ranked higher. They are dogs because Wisconsin seems to have better offensive linemen than we do since we're missing two in the front line and we're rebuilding our, our offensive line from last year. Um, give me the points. I think it's going to be closer. I think they'll cover the seven. I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie. We might potentially lose our first game, but I got to go with them and go with the Golden uh, the Golden Domers, Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish will come out victor- victorious probably by three points. Oh, and don't forget, our quarterback, Jack Cohen, who's a transfer from Wisconsin last year, is facing his old team. So a little bit of a rivalry in that aspect. We'll see how he does. To me, he's been a gamer this whole season. He's, he's been a blessing in disguise because I didn't think he was going to turn out to anything. But this guy can play. He's a senior. He dislocated his uh, throwing finger, his index finger, against Purdue. And he popped it back in with a mi- less than a minute left. Throws the game-winning touchdown. So to me, that speaks volumes. This kid is probably going to show up face. We got to figure out how to get the running game going. But I'm taking the Irish to come out victory on that. I know everybody's going the opposite way, and I can't blame you. So, yeah, no, I I am going the opposite way. I mean, I don't know. I have I, the way the Irish have been playing. I've been texting you every Saturday afternoon. Who do they play next? Who do they play next? Because I want to know. Their toughest, you know, what their toughest matchup is going to be. This obviously is their toughest matchup. Um, I think they might. I think they're going to win this game. Uh, they, they might lose later on in the year, but this is a hard game for them. But uh, Chance, you have a twelve thirty college football matchup um, in the ACC, paying homage uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Chance, they're starting off pretty strong. They're uh, two and one on the season with the chance to make it three and one. What is your hot take for the Louisville versus Florida State game? Well, I don't know how hot it's going to be. It might be warm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I think we have a chance of winning right now. The matchup predictor is actually going with us. That's the ESPN uh, Power Index matchup predictor. But uh, to Andres' point earlier about the fact that Notre Dame very well could be 0-3, one of the teams that they vanquished was Florida State, who is 0-3. And I can't tell you the last time, um, I don't know if it's happened in our lifetimes, when Florida State started 0-4. So there's a lot for them to lose in this game. Uh, conversely, my Louisville Cardinals, they came out looking very flat against Ole Miss. Ole Miss smacked us in the college football classic, kickoff classic down in Atlanta, um, playing in uh, the Georgia Dome, um, or the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I should say. And uh, we, we bounced back strong. We bounced back against Eastern Kentucky, and we had a good, good game yesterday, or last season, or excuse me, last week against UCF, where we made a great defensive play of pick six to win the game and close it out. So we're riding high right now. I think my Cardinals can pull it out, Patrick, but it's going to be a tough contest because, like I said, Florida State is 0-3. Their coach, who's a new coach, is probably already on the hot seat. Um, and we might be seeing 
the demise of Florida State right now. Just kind of like when Notre Dame, Andres, went through that, that period when Lou Holtz left, in came in Bob Davey, then Tyrone Willingham, then Charlie Weiss, and finally it took, you know, um, I can't even, Brian Kelly to come in and get things going and moving back in the right direction, restoring that tradition. That's my, that might be what we're seeing right now in the early stages with Florida State. Still going to go with my Louisville Cardinals, Patrick, to win that game, though. Charles, really quick on, on that aspect of coaching comparisons and traditions and everything else. One, I don't think Florida State has the right coach to turn that program around and bring it back to its glory days. Um, but on the Bob Davies thing, that was awful for Notre Dame. But more importantly, I'm not a big fan of Brian Kelly. And in fact, he had the same record at one point as uh, Tyrone Willingham, and he should have been gone just with the same, you know, outcome. And so I know, unfortunately, he's got the most, or sorry, excuse me, he's got, he's tied for the most wins in Notre Dame history, uh, which is Newt Rockney, uh, tied at 103, I believe. The issue with all of that is that this motherfucker still doesn't have a national championship to show for it. He still can't even get past the semis in the college football playoffs. So to me, he hasn't brought us to nowhere to where we need to be in the sense of glory. He's not a Lou Holtz. He's not a new Rock. He's not even an Eric Parsegian back in the 70s. So to me, we'll see what happens. But that's a whole future, you know, that's a whole story down the line once it's all said and done. Now, speaking of uh, Florida State and their rich tradition, my 12-30 game is the seventh-ranked Texas A&M Aggies taking on the 16th-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks Go Hogs, And um, it's in Jerry's world. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M head coach, has his team off to a 3-0 start. Jimbo Fisher, a lot of people are saying this Texas A&M team could be Alabama and win the SEC regular season. I would love to see it. I would love to see AM do some damage. Arkansas coming off a huge victory versus Texas. I believe that was um, about 10 or 12 days ago, it was two weeks ago. So um, Texas is about to get into the SEC, I believe, in two years. So they got their first taste of it and uh, they don't like the way it, it, you know, the way the way it was delivered. Arkansas, Arkansas handled their scandal delivered that L to uh, Texas. So Texas A&M playing in Jerry's world. I want to see Texas A&M prevail just because I like to see them stay strong. I don't want to see them falter. I would love to see somebody else take out Alabama. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious that Alabama still wins the game. They won the game against Florida this past Saturday. They didn't lose, but they only won by two freaking points. And all of a sudden, that was your game, Flores. All of a sudden, there's like, oh, my God, Alabama's not going to be able to win the championship this year because they won by only two points. Did you catch that game, Flores? Yeah, that, that was a legit outing by uh, Florida. But, hey, they pulled it out. You know, that's all that matters. But, yeah, yeah. I, I went I went against the first go-round. I bet against Alabama covering the spread. This time, I bet they would. And 0 for 2 on Alabama. Just can't predict them. Yeah, you well, know what that means in my book, right, Flores? Just ride it again or what? No, just completely stay away from them for the rest of the year. You can't win with them and you can't win against them. You just, you just got to go away. You don't want to see them Alabama? Stay away yeah. from Alabama? No, I'm just saying for him as a betting, like, just cover the spread for Flores because he's 1 and 1. No, and so, look, I, I agree. No, I'm, oh, I'm 0 for 2. Oh, sorry, you're 0 for 2. Excuse me. So well, even worse. Sure, even worse. Sure, stay away. Sure, stay away. Absolutely. And especially just because that, that game against Florida, fellas, like, what was crazy, it was it was 21 to 3 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it had all the makings of a blowout. And then, like, it ended up being, like, what, 29 to 31 or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe Alabama is starting to slide a little bit, too. You never know. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's go Aggies. Let's go Jimbo Fisher. Let's win this football game in Jerry's world. Uh, the 3 o'clock game. Chance, this is your game. The 24th ranked UCLA Bruins going up to Palo Alto playing against the Stanford Cardinal and their creepy ass mascot. I never realized how creepy that little tree looked until I posted it <laughs> until I posted it onto our Instagram a couple weeks ago. But anyways, Chance, introduce the UCLA Stanford game. Toss it over to Flores. Flores can give his take and then go into his uh boxing match. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Real quick, and I feel you, Pat, that the Cardinal always, like, creeped me out, slash never really understood it because it's not Cardinals. It's a singular tree, I guess. So I, I never understood that. It must be a super powerful tree. Or No, it's, it's a big redwood, guys. Cause of no, the I know. I, know. I was just about to say it's paying homage, homage to, the, to the redwood. So, um, you know, Stanford, they're so much smarter than everyone else. But UCLA <laughs> taking on Stanford um, at 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, this is a big game for the Bruins because they lost that game uh, last week against Fresno State, which actually put the Bulldogs in the top 25. Uh, UCLA's defense got absolutely shredded. And then on the other side of that, fellas, Stanford came down after an uninspiring opening week loss and beat USC, which led to Clay Helton's firing. So they feel like that they can beat any team in the Pac-12, and UCLA feels like they need to bounce back, Flores. What say you? Uh, I wish you would have saved, you know, going in on uh, on Tress for this week on Stanford and the coach <laughs> potentially being in the hot seat and then what they ended up doing themselves. But, yeah, I mean, they're coming in super hot. And UCLA, this is now put up or shut up. I mean, they had the one big game, had everybody's hopes up. I mean, two big games, but Hawaii is nothing to really speak about. But. Now it's really time to put up or shut up week after week. The the dog days of the season are here, and let's see what they do. I'm I'm, I'm scared as shit. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but you know who is scared as shit to lose his title? Nice little transition into what I'm gonna be watching with some boxing on the zone. Anthony Joshua. He's coming back. First time since uh, December of last year, 2020, um, coming in fighting for his, all. The, essentially, this is the guy that was trying to have the fight, obviously, with, and this is the beauty and all the drama that's in heavyweight boxing right now is he was had the site fight the, the fight signed supposedly uh, with Fury, and then that didn't end up happening, and now Fury is happening with Wilder in a couple of weeks too, and that's what's awesome about boxing in the next like eight or so weeks there's about seven awesome fights this starts it off anthony joshua against Usyk. Usyk's coming in finally getting a chance at a heavyweight belt and it uh, all of you guys i know signed up for the zone because of canelo and canelo's next fight isn't going to be on there but at least you're getting anthony joshua because this is as big as it gets in the fight world in heavyweight boxing history Usyk is he's the man so let's see what he can do. I think he's a little too small. I don't know how much you guys have seen Andres Chance of Usyk. He's he's friends with Lomachenko. He fights really weird. He's weird as hell himself, too. He actually came out dressed like the Joker uh, today from the, the most recent Joaquin Phoenix movie, The Joker, for the, uh, for the presser with Joshua. So I don't know how much you guys have seen of Usyk, but what are your guys' thoughts on this fight? Go ahead, Chance. No, I don't know. I mean, I know Anthony Joshua is trying to get back in there. He wants, I think, both Wilder and uh, Fury. So, I mean, I just know that a lot's on the line for him. And it, from what it sounds like, you know, the way your tone is kind of alluding to Flores, he could lose this fight. Am I wrong in that? That's the big unknown with Usyk is he's coming up in weight. He had a good fight. I think it was against Chisora uh, in the heavyweight. But, again, it went 12 rounds. He wasn't impressive. He wasn't able to hurt him and all that stuff. So, Will that power translate against Anthony Joshua, who we've seen get in trouble some by somebody smaller, who was Ruiz, Andy Ruiz? So can Usyk put together those combinations and get Anthony Joshua in trouble? But, I mean, I just bet last time out uh, for Joshua, I bet, I think, 100 bucks to win, like, $12. So Joshua still, he's not that heavy of a favorite this time out. He's still the favorite and he knows how to box now he knows to stay away keep his distance but you know again this is as big as it gets when it comes to heavyweight boxing in the history of heavyweight boxing a lot of people just don't realize how big this fight is because of who Usyk is and what he can do um in screwing up this fight when joshua wins this one fury wins against wilder which is widely expected then we get fury against joshua and that's the just biggest fight maybe ever. So let's see what happens. And that that's the soap opera that we have here in front of us. Hey, Flores, really quick. What's the odds on you? On, sorry, excuse me. What are the odds of Usyk winning? You know what? Jimmy hasn't gotten back to me. I think he, he faxed me a little too late. Um, so when, when he faxes me over the info, I'll let you know right now. 
No problem. So I'm looking at uh, Usyk. He's he's 18 no. He's got 13 KOs out of the 18 wins. I mean, he's, there's been only five fights. He's a little crazy in my book. If he's showing up to the press conference and to the pre-op fight, like of uh, you know the Joker. I mean, he chose a wrong Joker. Unfortunately, he should have went in there with the fucking Heath Ledger one or even Jack Nicholson. But you know, you got to be a little crazy <laughs> to go out there and looking like that to begin with. So I think because he's got nothing to lose and everything to gain, I like his story. I like the way that he could, you know, probably potentially knock him out. He saw that. He probably watched a lot of tape of Ruiz too beating. Justice, so he probably used that to his advantage of the of being a smaller guy. Yeah, Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, Usyk plus two hundred. Um, yeah, Joshua minus two twenty five. Now Usyk by KO TKO technical decision or DQ plus five fifty. Now I think if Usyk has a chance to win, though, it is going to be by points plus four hundred. You know what? That that's that's probably my big bet is Usyk on points. I I, I don't think he's going to win uh, by knockout. I think so he'll he, hurt him, and that'll help him win by points. But I don't think he'll knock him out because I don't think Joshua could go out like that, get knocked out two times already in his career. So you think it's going to go to the distance and what all twelve rounds? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is at two like so. The main event is at two o'clock out here in California. That's the other. That's the other thing for everybody here on the West Coast. It is based out of London, um, where the Tottenham uh, Hotspur play yeah. um, in in London, England. So it is around one thirty two p.m. Tune in for the main event. The whole card you can tune in a little earlier, a couple hours earlier. Uh, but for the main event, one thirty to two p.m. Tune in midday. You're going to see history right before your eyes on zone. And hey, real, real talk, I'm literally going to watch every single fight I can on zone until my subscription <laughs> until my subscription is up. Because what are you serious? Canelo's not his next fight isn't on zone. That's literally the reason why I bought the fucking app. Yeah, he's going to fight uh, Caleb Plant, and the only way they could get it done was to go through pdc pay-per-view oh, so that God. that's the one the one branch off he's gonna have is just to shut up caleb plant which this week i don't know if you guys have seen the video of him yeah. going at it which was circulating everywhere but that's another fight that's coming up so we have a nice little slate of combat sports coming up damn okay well you know um the weekend still has one day left it is a uh, sunday fun day football sunday and then we have our scumbags of the night. So we're going to do that segment of the show just after this. He wrote his three-year girlfriend a letter saying that they had to break up. It was super business-like, so business-like that my, my, that my man signed it with sincerely. Not love always, not please forgive me. He signed it sincerely. So Tiger is a savage. All right, I want to start off this segment with a hot, bold prediction. Now, my bold prediction for this week's show is my 10 a.m. game. The Los Angeles Chargers going into Arrowhead, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. I have the Chargers beating the Chiefs on the road to start off Sunday fun day, Sunday football. The Chiefs are favored by seven points, coming off a loss. They're going to be pissed. They're going to put up some points. Is that bold enough for you, Chance? Just, just to win? Yes. Uh, I mean, considering there's only one top AFC quarterback that's ever beaten Patrick Mahomes, sure, I'll take it. Is that bold enough for you, Flores? Hmm, got to think about that. You know what? I'll let it slide. I wouldn't do it if it was your third one, but I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean, they're seven-point underdogs. Uh, Andres, over to you to break my heart. <laughs> Sorry, I had to laugh really loud. I put, I had it on mute. Um, I have to break your heart, but there's who's who's underdogs? Who's underdogs? Not KC. Yeah, exactly. Who do you think's the underdog? I just said the Chargers yeah, yeah, and Chiefs. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> the, that edible kicked I'll, in, huh? No, no. I, was, uh, I wanted to make sure 
we were talking about the same thing because I can't believe we would say that right on. But I'm with Flores, though. If it's for the final 21, not happening. Yeah, of course, of course. I'll, 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 I'll come correct when that happens. But Chargers win is my bold prediction. Um, I'm, I'm definitely highly invested in this matchup because I have Patrick Mahomes in one of my um, fantasy football leagues, my dynasty quarterback. And then I have Justin Herbert as my quarterback in my work league. So I'm loving this matchup. I'm going to be drinking my coffee, having my breakfast, watching this game, watching my score go up and up and up because I think it's going to be a shootout. And so does Vegas because they have the over-under set at 54 and a half points. So Chance, over to you. What is your game of the day for this Sunday? Well, for this Sunday, my game on Fox at 125, it is none other than Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, Bruce Arians, and the high-powered Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, defending Super Bowl champs, taking on the 2-0 new-look Rams, headed by pretty boy jacked-up Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. And this is going to be a great game. <laughs> it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, the ESPN Power Index matchup predictor is actually overwhelmingly going with the Rams to win this game. So I am going to interject my bold prediction, which is that Matthew Stafford is going to throw three interceptions in this game. Is that bold enough for you, gentlemen? Damn, I'll take it. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. I would have let you have. I would have let you have it with two. Yeah, I like to go big. and you know, he'll, he'll probably, knowing my luck, he'll probably throw two. Um, but that being said, I think this is going to be a great game. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is not where it was at at the end of last season. They've been giving up a bunch of points. They gave up a bunch of points and yards to Dak. Um, they were getting somewhat shredded by the Atlanta Falcons, who just pretty much have nobody. And Matt Ryan is absolutely washed. <laughs> so going up against uh, a quarterback like Tom Brady, and all the weapons that he has, even though Antonio, is, uh, Antonio Brown is out and Jaden Mickens is out, I still think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. And I'm going to go with the Bucks on the road to come away 3-0 and and hand Matthew Stafford his first loss as a Los Angeles Ram. Ooh. Man, I love, I'm, with, I'm with you on that over, Matt. It's our chance. It's 55-and-a-half. So total score has to be 56. I like that a lot. I think – yeah, without Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, man, he's the GOAT. And uh, last year, he got he got kind of rocked. He got punched in the face last year. He had one of the worst uh, performances of last season when Aaron Donald was uh, chasing him around. Unfortunately, he threw two interceptions that game. So I don't know when the last time I ever saw Brady throw two or three uh, in a regular season. I think he gets his revenge, but I love that over at 55 and a half. Do you know Aaron Donald has never sacked Tom Brady? Is that true? Yeah, that's what I heard today. Aaron Donald has never sacked Tom Brady. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I got the Rams winning. Uh, I got the Rams winning because, I mean, they look pretty good, uh, just convincingly. And, uh, Chance, let's let you introduce the uh, nightcap that Flores and Andres are going to be talking about because they have something to um, win, correct? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a little wager on the line. And, um, I, don't, I guess we'll just have to do it on just either the over under or who you know with, with you know what the uh, what the spread is. We'll figure that out. But we have a nice embroidered, customized San Francisco 49er toiletry bag. And since Andres and Flores are both huge 49er fans, they will be vying for this great prize. The game is the Packers visiting the 49ers Sunday, 5:20 Pacific. NBC, Sunday Night Football, Primetime, Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy G. Not Jimmy with the stats, but Jimmy G. And uh, Flores, I'm going to flip it over to you. What say you? Who wins this game and why? So what I think we, we should do is how many points we think the Niners are going to win by. So I'll throw out 10 because I think they are going to win and dominate. I just don't know to what extent. Um, but Andres, I mean, is that how you want to run it as far as what the score is, or do you have something else that we could, that we could do as far as, I'm assuming I mean, you also think the Niners are going to win. I think the Niners the are Packers. No, I, well, I got to go with my team, but even more importantly, the last time fucking Rogers was in San Francisco, he got annihilated. 
like literally his tits were lit. My brother and my dad were at that game, so <laughs> that was a Sunday night game. I think the same goes. I think they they beat them more by three, more than three. The line is three, so I think they take care of business. Um, if everybody, the only problem is though, what are we doing with our with our running backs? That's the issue. That's is that a pro- Is that a problem though, or is that just put them in and let them run? Because that's how it's been. That's how it's been, and it's it's the same thing with the Ravens that you just you put them in, and it's more so the scheme and the players around that allow the running backs to be successful. They don't have to be Christian McCaffrey. It's just the scheme. I think that's going to allow anybody to step in there and be successful with that. I think you're right. You, you have a lot of stallions in that in that barn. Um, yeah, I think I'd rather go with the over under. What are you calling for the game? Let's do that instead. Let's let's do a game time prediction or a game final prediction. Um, on the over under, uh, let me run. Let me run it at. I'll do the under. You do the over because you're so, an over guy. So okay. So, so right now <laughs> the line is fifty. Yeah. So I'll go forty nine, and you go fifty one. Yeah. I'll do that. Done. All right. Okay. Done. And if hey, it's... by the way, really quickly, I just want to throw this in. How sick is it that we had? You know, the opening weekend, and then we had a game like Chiefs and Ravens, and then we have a game like Rams and Bucks. This is like heavyweight shit. So I'm really excited that we get to see that game too. And then obviously this 49er game is, is a little extra. So Flores is 49 points or less. He gets the bag, the 49ers toiletry bag. If it's 51 or more, Andres gets the 49ers toiletry bag. And if it's fifty exactly, I get the bag. And there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I and, and you have to wear it. And you have to wear it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get the bag. To, to bet the draw. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Um. So yeah, that that wraps up the. Uh, well, actually, Chance, who do you think's winning this game? Real quick. You know, I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna zig while you guys zag. I'm actually gonna go with the Packers. I think that's the same. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. I I I don't know who's gonna win. I think I hate Aaron Packers. Or I'm sorry, I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Packers. Aaron Packers. <laughs> um that might be the title of this show. But anyways, okay, so moving along to the final segment of the show, scumbags of the night. Now the scumbag of the night is the individual responsible for ruining your sports happiness they can cost you a victory they can um cost you a bet or they could ruin your day make the headlines for all the wrong reasons uh let's shoot it over to you flores to lead us off with scumbags because it sounds like yours is a little more lighthearted than uh you know yeah and you know what i wish i could call this guy my hero but I just have to go with scumbag with this one. Uh, Mr. Vice President, as Andres likes to make sure to let us know to say that title in front of a former presidential, and I'm assuming vice presidential, uh, 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 not candidate, but actually representative. But in this Suriname's vice president, Ronnie Brunswick, at the age of 60 years old, just played a game um, for Inter Mongol Tapo in a CONCACAF league match, uh, something similar to like UEFA's Europa League, let's say. Um, and they lost six to zero against Honduras's uh, CD Olympia. So I actually went to the game and I wanted to see the stats and you're able to click on all the other uh, surname. I actually don't even know if I'm pronouncing that country's name properly, but I try to click on all the other players and it went through it. it they were real players. And then you get to number 61 that played in the middle and he actually played for a while. He didn't just go in for like five minutes like a celebrity does at a game. He actually played, I think, more than like 45 minutes. For sure, he played in the first and second half. So I don't know if he started or not, but just he's now being looked into by the soccer bodies because he was giving out money also to the Honduran team in the <laughs> locker room after the game, handing out cash. So it's just a whole mess. And the fact that this vice president of Suriname is 60 years old and he owns one of the teams. I don't, I think it might be this team. He owns it. And a lot of the uh, different politicians in that country own the soccer teams and 
you know, coming from Colombia, where I know the last time that a bunch of certain people owned the soccer teams in the country, it, it's just not a good thing. And then something like this happens and you kind of embarrass your country in, in a CONCACAF league match. And I always clown the CONCACAF and this is even more of a reason why. No, wait, so hold on. A 60-year-old ex-vice president or basically a 60-year-old current, 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 current vice president of a country, 60 years old, played in a competitive televised soccer match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Tom Brady. Damn. Okay. That That is scumbag-ish, um, definitely. And they lost. Um, now, shooting it over to you, Chance. Who is your scumbag of the night? Man, uh, you know, it pains me to say this because not only is he uh, a Dodger pitcher, you know, the Dodgers are the one team in L.A. that I truly, truly root for, but he's also a Kentucky boy. So it takes it even a little bit deeper. It's not only sticking the knife in, but it's twisting that bitch. And that's none other than Walker Bueller, who was one of the most dominant pitchers in the majors this year, especially over the first five months actually finished August with a 2.05 ERA. But since then, his ERA has shot up to a 2.58, and he got licked up against the Giants where he gave up six hits. He got licked up uh, last yesterday against the Rockies where he gave up, I want to say, like, uh, he gave up three runs or five runs in three and a half or three and two-thirds. And he's just all over the place. He's lost his confidence. And this is starting to spread and permeate throughout the rest of the Dodger pitching staff and bullpen. Max Scherzer got lit up today. The bullpen is all over the place. Uh, remarkably, Andres' favorite pitcher of all time, his favorite closer of all time, Kenley Jansen, came in and secured the win today. So I don't know, Pat, what's going through, going through Walker Bueller's head, his mind. I don't know if he needs to get like some type of sports psychologist to make him a visit, but this is absolutely what we cannot have going into the postseason, going into October, but I don't want to see. So Walker Bueller, you're my scumbag of the night. Get your shit together so it stops affecting and rubbing off on the rest of the pitching staff. Would it make you feel any better if I told you the Colorado Rockies have one of the top three home records in all of baseball this year? Never mind their overall record, just at home, they're crushing teams. Anybody that goes in there, they're holding their own, and they're just giving up a hell of a fight. And I think that the Dodgers' rotation just were victims of that. And uh, like I said, hopefully, Chance, they, they shuck out their jitters, and they're ready for the postseason. It's a lot going on, like Flores said. It's like, you know, we're literally just checking the standings, you know, every, every night going in. And um, I actually... I actually don't have a scumbag. I want to say my scumbag would be the Florida kicker because him him missing that extra point in the first half for the Gators kind of, you know, it it really came into play later on in the game. But it happened in the early on in the game where, you know, I don't think it would – I don't know if I can really truthfully say it affected the outcome of the game. But that's my quick little tidbit on um, why I was a little upset on Saturday, Andres. No, I was just going to say real quick, Pat, you should have a reverse. You should have like not a scumbag, but like the opposite, someone you love of the day, because if it weren't for the Chargers kicker missing that, that, uh, that field goal, your, your Cowboys would have had that law. So you should be showing that dude some love. (laughs) Were you like back? Were you, you, um, Back up into a victory is what happened. Yeah, for that exactly. exactly. <laughs> Andres, I'm curious. Your scumbag is soccer related. Yeah, um, it has to. His name is Ronald Koeman. He is the manager for Barcelona Football Club, the, probably the most recognizable football club in the face of the earth. At least one of them. Bring this history, and he came in, you know, very confidently, stating. Uh, and his press conference, thanks to me, this club has a future. Well, unfortunately, the future is not where it needs to be. He's actually 10 years, it seems 10 years back. These guys haven't scored any, they're having trouble. Not that they haven't scored any goals, 
but they've lost to teams that they don't lose to typically. Granada, they lost 2-0. Um, players are getting red cards for no reason. He's not even putting in the right players. People, the players are looking in disarray of him. Uh, he is just awful. They've only scored one goal in three matches and zero wins. They're in seventh place. I couldn't tell you the last time Barcelona was ever in seventh place, but the the tenacity this guy has to say, with me, thanks to me, we you know we have a future. And it's like this: there's futures now, dude. Bar- Barcelona's seventh. Real Madrid is number one. You're not even playing for the current, and they have the whole debacle with Messi, and it's just disgusting. And this guy, I'm glad he's eating his own shit. I'm just, I'm very happy to see it. And he's probably going to get sacked, to tell you the truth. He's probably going to get fired by the end of the year if he doesn't turn around. Because coming up to the Champions League, he's got big tournaments coming up. Where's the future in the sense of the players? You've, you you have the all the money in the world with these, uh, with your camps and your your young, your youth team. And nobody's coming up and doing it. You have a couple players, but he's just not the right fit of coach. And he's eating his words. So that's my rant. I hate when coaches do this and speak confidently. They have all the talent. He's just not. His ego is getting to him because he wants to play a style of football that doesn't exist. So I'm just happy to see that that's that's my rant. That's my scumbag. I know in the soccer world, people who are unbeknownst to it uh, aren't familiar with the situation in the sense of the history and, and the, the status that I'm talking about. But when coaches do shit like that, it bugs the shit out of me, man. It really does. Well, I mean – it's good to have confidence, but you know you can't speak too soon. Uh, just ask Oliver, Oliver, um, the uh, coworker of mine who was talking a lot of shit to me for fantasy football on Sunday afternoon at two forty in the afternoon. I had one player left, and he was destroying me. And my, that one player that I had was Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones on Monday night had four touchdowns. That's where that baby picture came from. Did you did you guys uh, see that? Did you see that Flores on Instagram and in the text message? <laughs> Dude, I saw that was no. great. That was a good. That was a good one. And man, did you get lucky? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, right now football season, fantasy football season is. It's always better to be lucky than to be good. Um, so that wraps up the 118th episode of the weekend starts on Wednesday uh, on Wednesdays this time it's a special edition Thursday night so we're sorry for the late uh we're sorry for the wait but hey we got it out we hope that you enjoy it if you're going to place any bets this weekend good luck and we'll see you next week